How's it going everyone? This is Shields for the first guest episode of the Wreak Havoc podcast. How is it going, Bob? How's it going, Bob Gonzalez? I'm good, Brandon. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It was very interesting when I was looking you up and understanding all what you have done within your book, a little bit about your backstory. Before our, our listeners here, can you tell us a little bit more about who is Bob Gonzalez? <laughs> well, Bob Gonzalez uh, is a small business owner who loves to fish, and he took that love of fishing and created a book, and um, it's out there now on Amazon, and it's uh, it's been pretty successful for me. Very nice, very nice. And it is a flicker in the water. Yes, and tell us a little bit about maybe the inspiration of what came about to write such a book and a little bit about what the book uh, entails. Well, the book is a collection of stories, uh, mostly nonfiction stories about my own personal experiences out on the, mostly the Gulf of Mexico fishing. Something I always loved to do from the time I was a small kid. I, I, I used to love to fish, especially deep sea fishing. And um, I took that love uh, and I turned it into a book. Um, and the, the stories are, uh, I, I, I've read other uh, oceans books like Old Man in the Sea and uh, Moby Dick and things like that. And uh, I took inspiration from those books to write this one. Um, and in fact, the uh, forward for my book um, was written by Mariel Hemingway, Ernest Hemingway's granddaughter. Right, right. Because you know, Ernest Hemingway wrote Old Man in the Sea. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I think, uh, and that's very interesting you say uh, specifically they had the Gulf of Mexico. Me, myself, I'm from Alabama. I live in Florida, obviously, that's right there. And I've been out, I've been out in the Gulf of Mexico several times on deep sea, uh, sea fishing adventures, bay fishing, etc. So very exciting, relatable, actually. That's great. What, what have you caught in the Gulf? So mackerel, snapper, nothing crazy done a little amberjack fishing so nothing crazy like marlin or tuna but what about you how about yourself well um you know as you know the, here the main fishing is the bottom fishing so we're going to get a lot of snappers and groupers and amberjacks and i talk about them a lot in the book um actually one of my uh, crewmates uh, bob senior in the book is the character he caught a 42 pound snapper on one of our trips which is uh, just three pounds shy of the state record, which also was caught from Destin too, I think back in 1995, I believe, or something like that. And um, we caught that fish by accident. It was so funny. Uh, usually you leave the dock knowing where you're going, you know, you have your spots and you'll know, you know, where you want to fish. But this one, we went over a place and something showed up on the depth finder and nobody was really sure what it was. It looked like, you know, maybe a little bit of a, of a hill underneath in the water. And so we just said, let's throw our baits down here. So we put the baits down here. And as soon as those baits hit the bottom, boom, that snapper hit. And uh, yeah, it turned out to be that 42 pounder. And when it came up, it looked like a big right beach ball, you know, with orange and red. And, and it was incredible. <laughs> wow. And I, I said in the book, I've seen um, plenty of fishermen with beer bellies, but this is the first fish I've seen with one. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, that's 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 crazy. Just you know, you use the depth finder sometimes. Is it trash? Is it is it you know just a large object below? But you guys saw a fish that was on the depth finder that was you know a trophy. Yeah, sometimes your best catches come so unexpectedly that you know. But that that's what makes fishing real. That's what makes it fun, and it's you always expect the unexpected. You know. 
Right. It's a pastime too, and I want to kind of talk about that a little bit. A lot of a lot of people. Do you believe that fishing is progressing or digressing uh, in our society? Because it's you know, of course, you have to get outdoors. You have to you have to really throw yourself uh, into the, into the experience, into the actual work of doing fishing. Fishing can be you know exciting when you're you know you have a fish on the line or you have the results. But a lot of pe people may not have the patience. So, what do you think about fishing in terms of our society? I have to. Uh, I talk about that in the book too. Of fighting through the patience. Um, you have to persist in fishing. It's not going to always go your way. Um, there's <laughs> there's a lot of wait and see and a lot of pain involved. But the um, the moments when you do get the action make it all worth it. It, uh, it, it for me anyway. There's not anything else that's as much fun that tingles the senses as much as fishing. When you have that fish on the line and you feel that instant pull, I mean it's an adrenaline rush like no other for me. Um, I hear a lot of people don't want to fight through that, you know, because they get impatient and or they might get seasick or whatever. But to me, it's all it's all part of it. It's all makes it all worth it for me. For sure, for sure. And yes, myself love I, whether it's freshwater fishing or saltwater fishing, the the setup, the the weight, the patience, all of that, it can be be overcame as soon as one of those rods start to bend. And you just know that it's going to be a fun ride. So. Oh yeah, this, without a doubt, for sure. So, uh, yeah, you were talking a little bit about Mariel Hemingway, and we were talking, of course, the granddaughter of, of his, her famous grandfather, who, as you spoke about, wrote wrote a book that inspired you. Tell us a little bit about why did she write the foreword, and how did she interest into your book? Well. Um... I, I submitted the proposal to her and asked her if she would be interested in doing it. Um, and she wrote back that, yeah, you know, she said that uh, the book spoke to her at a great deal of appreciation. I think it um, made her appreciate what her father and her grandfather did with fishing in their lives and uh, and what it did for her growing up. You, you know, it's like when you learn to fish, it's like learning a trade. And I, I think uh, she understood more what they were trying to do. And uh, I think that's why uh, the, book the book touched her like it did. Yes, yes. And now, now, of course, fishing as a whole is such something to be reckoned with because there's so much that goes into it, especially with the re relatability. And that's where a lot of cultures kind of deviate back to is it's, a, it's something to, to relate to. I mean, no matter where you come from, if you're on the west side of the uh, world or the east side of the world, fishing something a lot of people can relate to because, of course, our, we have a blue planet, so I I definitely see how there's so many different you know pieces of your book that can be relate related to to each other, and you can build off of that as well. For sure, I talk about that. Um, I, in fact, I end the book with uh, in Jesus uh, with Peter. Peter fished all night and they didn't catch anything, and uh, Jesus told him go lower the nets, and Peter didn't want to. He said. We have fished all night and caught nothing, but if you tell us to lower the nets, we'll lower the nets. <laughs> so they lowered the nets, and lo and behold, the, the nets were full of fish. Almost couldn't keep the boat, uh, almost capsized. <laughs> right, right, exactly. And within within writing, what do you think was your favorite part about writing this book? Of course, it's a lot of the stories, and you're able to look back on and be able to build off of and tell to future generations about you know what what comes from this book 
But I guess, what was your favorite part of writing this book? And if your book was to be told almost like in a sentence of its mark, what would you say it would be? Well, um, my favorite parts of writing the book were remembering landing the, the biting and the fighting and the landing of the fish. Uh, but I, there's a lot of humor in the book. There's a lot of stories of uh, heroism. I talked about some of my buddies who I fished with who were part of our crew and things that they did while we were out there. Uh, but the, the most fun part of the book is definitely catching the fish. For sure. For sure. When that fish comes on board, it's uh, it's exhilarating. <laughs> oh yeah, it definitely it because you know the the whole day you have not only are you all you know you're ready to tell all your buddies you're ready to tell everyone about what just happened. Nowadays you have the ability to to capture that on on video, capture that forever, and yeah, it's it's like a um, you know it's it's like a game you're playing. You're you're out there in the water. You're trying to get something accomplished and you have the ability to accomplish it as you spoke on before the adrenaline rush the ability to to really build on your game because of course fishing is a skill it's a trade you learn you do better um so how would how how, how would you say you are as a fisherman uh what what is your favorite uh fish to catch and what is your favorite things to do as a fisherman i think my favorite fish to catch is probably a mahi on a spinning rod um 40 pounds and plus any uh which 40 pound mahi and plus is a good size fish and probably pound for pound those mahis can uh, fight harder than any other fish in the ocean interesting very interesting yeah. yeah and the way they leap out of the water and the way they turn color and they make their runs they're probably the most fun fish to catch for me okay yeah so that that is yeah mahi. i've actually never had the the fortune where how how far out do you usually have to go for the mahi? Well, um, here in Destin, it could be anywhere from between 15 to 40 or 50 miles, depending on where the weeds are and where the um, the, uh, the currents push up. Um, the the dolphins, the mahis like structure. They like to hang out underneath the sargasso weeds, and they like to uh, like all fish. They like to uh, congregate where the the currents meet each other, where there's an upwell of bait there for them to eat. So when you find places like that, and it's like, it could be in and out, you never know. You just have to, when you're out there, you have to look for signs. But um, if you find them, that's that's where they are usually. And a lot of times you might catch one or two, and then all of a sudden a big one will come in out of nowhere and take your bait. So you always have to be ready for them. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. Myself, I just was, I've, I've probably been, I've probably been out, I would say four times. I would say four times on the Gulf. We would. We would leave out uh, Gulf Shores or Orange Beach in that area, um, maybe five, 10 miles. Um, and one time, run time about 30 miles. And for me, I think I think Amberjack always gave us the biggest fight. Out of oh the, yeah. Very, very tough fish, very tough fish to catch. Very to tough, catch. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, they, <laughs> they they definitely, they definitely don't want to be caught. And I'll say that uh, they, they call them reef donkeys. Reef donkeys. Reef donkeys. Yeah, because of the way they're stubborn and the way they fight. Yeah, usually with the amberjack, instead of lowering your bait all the way to the bottom, you go down halfway, hmm. or you go down to the bottom and crank it up ten or fifteen times, and you wait for them to pull and you lower your rod to them, and then once they're in, then you start reeling and, and bringing them in. And uh, usually they'll they'll go like this with the line that the the, the pole will will jig, you know. Mm. 
but they're tough though i did um one story about an amberjack that we caught um i gave him a nickname i named him marble eye yeah because um he was an old fish you could tell by his wrinkled skin he was really old and uh his eye didn't have any pupil it looked like a marble like a blue marble so i called him marble eye wow and even the uh the old fish himself he gave a fight oh yeah <laughs> yeah he didn't want to come in the boat that's for sure <laughs> he wanted to stay out there and live even longer yes definitely now you obviously a lot of a lot of the stories come from the gulf of mexico is is there a particular place maybe uh in in a part of the ocean or somewhere that you dream of, of fishing one day or is it mainly the gulf of mexico where you would love to just uh you know raise your oh, no, they're, they're, i'd love to do places in the pacific ocean i'd love because you can catch fish there that you can't catch in the atlantic um I'd like to do like Costa Rica, places like that would be nice. They say, and you, again, you can catch fish down there. You don't catch here where I am in the Gulf. Um, even New England, you know, up there they catch fish we don't catch here. That would be fun too. Although I have fished in New Jersey. I've never fished in New England. How was that? How was fishing in uh, New Jersey? New Jersey, <laughs> that was good. I used to go when I was about 10, 11 years old with my dad. We would go to uh, Get Light, New Jersey, and we would catch bluefish in the summertime and then in the winter they would catch cod yeah and one one time i tell this story in the book my dad was um he won a a, a daily tournament of a fluke i think it was a 11.9 pounds the fluke was mm -hmm. and he won the day's pool prize it was on april fool's day oh <laughs> that's funny yeah did he win we don't know it's a fool yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, cod, cod's obviously one of the most popular fishes in the New England area. Uh, yeah. You were speaking about Costa Rica and the Pacific, of course. What fish in either, either of those areas would get you excited to go after? Well, in the Pacific, you know, I guess the, the black marlin, which uh, we don't catch over here in the uh, Atlantic. They're like the, the them and blue marlin are probably the two most prized game fish of all. I'd like to fish for them. Down in Costa Rica, the rooster fish, they say, is really cool to catch. The rooster fish. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Why, yeah. Do they, why do they call it the rooster fish? I don't know. You know, they've got these fins that come out their, their backside. They're like long, in str long strings. Maybe that's kind of similar to a rooster feather. Maybe that's why. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Interesting. Yeah. I've obviously, I, I've actually never heard of the black marlin. As much fishing as I've done, that's that's crazy. Obviously, the blue the blue marlin is the king, like the the king of the ocean in terms of yeah. like trophy fishing, right? Yeah. Uh, is do they get um? Would, would you say the blue marlin is the uh, gets the biggest in terms of um, trophy size, or is there another fish out there that would? Beat they them say out? the blue marlin is usually the biggest, but the black marlin is pretty comparable. You know, you could catch uh, you know a black marlin bigger than most blue marlins that's for sure but maybe at, at maximum maximum size maybe the blue marlin but have ever, close have you ever had the luxury of going after a blue marlin yeah we have caught a few of them they're in the book too um there was one blue marlin in the gulf it was a bright sunny day and uh nothing much was happening but there was a floating crate out there and right as we were about to pass this crate the, the guy was with it in the his name is captain mike in the book he says, we're going to get a hit right now. And the words weren't even out of his mouth. Was 
all of a sudden <laughs> we felt we saw this big blue marlin explode on this bait and make a run like you wouldn't believe um it was something so powerful i've never seen anything like it um before or since and i still feel that in my body you know that the you know whatever the the the, the strength of, that he that he had i can still feel it it was just incredible Oh, I bet. He, he didn't stay on very long. We didn't land that fish, but the uh, the pull and the explosion that he had was just unforgettable. Yeah, they they yeah yeah. I've I've definitely watched I've definitely watched videos where you know you have this huge fish just take control of the boat, turn the boat even. Yeah. And it's just like all of your focus on is where the adrenaline is going, and you got this huge fish that's just basically taking it to you, and there's little you can do unless you just have like all the right stuff going your way and of course it's there what do they get up to 1500 pounds or something like they that? can yeah they, they can get up that big yeah and usually when a fish is that big it's a female okay. the uh the female fish in the ocean are bigger than the males most of the time uh, yeah I so think it, i knew that but yeah interesting yeah, yeah if you ever That's... catch a big blue marlin it's a female okay 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 yeah. um, Big, big mothers out there for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so tell me, um, there's this, this, like I was saying before, it's almost like a, a lot of, a lot of, um, uh, saltwater fishing or deep sea fishing can almost say like a pastime, especially how society's moving a lot more technological advancements and people having more comfort not you know especially people that are landlocked or in big cities they don't really have the um even curiosity to go out into the sea what would you say about that curiosity do you think um do you think people nowadays are more declined to do such a thing and how how do you see like the future of of these stories to continue where people will continue to to go out and enjoy themselves with either their family or their closest friends i don't know i think that fishing is something um that to a lot of people uh, to humans in general it's an innate thing it's kind of like um an instinctual thing to want to catch a fish or to or go hunting you know that kind of right. thing i think that's part of our nature to want to do that and, and 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 catch a fish um so i don't think it'll ever go away i really don't i, I think it's instilled in the in our nature yeah, I, I hope you're right. I, I, I am, I'm, di I'm deeply ready to like go 20 miles out. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm right above. I'm in Central Florida, so I can either go either way. You know, I could go in the Gulf of Mexico, or I could go out to the Pacific, uh, not Pacific, the Atlantic, and, yeah. and really, uh, really try it out. Um, because it's been, it's been like four years on my side, and. Uh, you know, you just like you said, it's like an innate want to, to go out there, and it because it is an adrenaline. It's it's part of it's part of like our biology almost. I would say it's part of something that we 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 crave. We crave the the adrenaline. We crave the the achievement. I would say. Um, so tell us if if you want tell tell us another story of uh, maybe that's uh, in your book. Not to give away too much, but tell us an, a, a story of maybe it's a it's a fishing story that particularly holds a uh, high high regard in your mind. Well, um, the title "A Flicker in the Water" came from a, a story about a yellowfin tuna that um, we were after. Um, 
I won't tell you how it ended, uh, but it, it, it's exciting. Let's put it that way. Um, we were fishing the Louisiana oil rigs, which fish also like um, the you know, structure of the oil rigs. And there were, we got there at sunset. It was about, I don't know, seven o'clock, 7.30 one evening. And there were giant tunas all over the place. And um, we fished all night until finally like at two or three o'clock in the morning, we got a real nice strike by one of them. And uh, then the battle was on, and for the next four or five hours, we fought this fish, and uh, wow. that's where the inspiration for a flicker in the water came from, was from that yellowfin tuna. The determination to, to, yeah. to make everything happen. Yeah. yeah. That, that's, uh, I'm just going to, I'll bring it back home. This is, that's what I developed this podcast about. It's called the Wreak Havoc Podcast, because wreak havoc is you're you're doing everything in your determination to, to get something done to to do what you want to do to uh to trailblaze a path and what you what you've talked about in uh you know just developed into your stories is you something that you love to do a passion and in yeah. a pastime that will be carried on for generations and it's the determination to to go after that adrenaline rush which is which is fishing and fishing like we talked about, it's far and wide, east, west, east cultures, uh, freshwater, saltwater, no matter where you are, there's the adrenaline to, and it, it, the, that's the great thing. It's almost like, you know, you ha you could go to South America or you could go uh, into Europe or you could go into Canada. There's so many different breeds of, and species of fish that you mm -hmm. have unlimited opportunity to just continue your, your trade, as we talked about, your skill because there's of course there's salt water there's fresh water and then there's so much different paths you can take on each whether it's bottom or off the bottom or going after the trophies um so in terms of what you do it's i i would say would you say that uh you, you stick mainly salt water you stick mainly to the to the trophy side of things trying to develop that adrenaline rush well, no, I get an adrenaline rush catching a ten or fifteen pound fish too. You know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I hear you. I hear you. A panfish yeah. or whatever it is. If it, yeah. if it, the bobber goes under, that, yeah. that excites you. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. I mean, a, a fifteen pound red snapper tastes just as good as a thirty pounder. Sometimes better. Smaller sometimes fish. Sometimes better. That's fish. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This mi yeah. big misconception is bigger fish sometimes don't taste as good as the smaller. That's right. Fish. Yeah, yeah. But definitely. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming on the uh, the Re the Reek Habit podcast. I you have convinced me to to read a flicker in the water. You you convinced me just with this little preview. And anyone that's listening that has a you know a, a I guess a passion for not only the outdoors but in terms of determination and the stories and the fun stuff that just comes with fishing. I mm -hmm. I guide you to to go after and read this book. And of course. Ariel Hemingway wrote the forward and basically has vouched this entire book so you can believe that it's going to be a good read for anyone out there that just loves love stories and loves fishing. So thank you so much, Bob. Is there uh, anything else that I uh, missed out or you wanted to add? Well, yeah, if they want to go to my website, it's flickerinthewater.com where there's a lot of interesting things there to read about the ocean and the fish and uh, you can get all the links to where the book is and you can email me and there's all kinds of good stuff there there you and, got it uh, guys you yeah. go to a flicker in the get a preview look at look around and educate yourself because there's a lot of good stuff there yeah i appreciate you having me on brandon i enjoyed it